0: Omaghyana timirandasya jnananjana salakaya chakso rumditam Sri tasmae si vandeshi krishna chaitanna nityananda sohodito gurudaye puspabanto chitrao sanghotamunu no namuramanyadevaya bobamanna या देवी हिताय विष्णाय गोविन्दाय नमो नमः हे कृष्ण करुणासिन्धु जगत्पते गोपीशा भूपिका तन्त्र अराकं नमोस्तुते तप्तकंचन भूरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी शुभभांग सुते देवी so, welcome
1: again, everyone, as we gather again for another discussion on the holy day of Krishna Janmasthami. We began this morning with a discussion from Gopal Champu of Chijibu Goswami and um, some other discussions throughout the day and we were reading earlier this evening and discussing as well from Gopal Champu and um, this is of course uh, an important book probably the most important book of jibu Goswami That um, is has a beautiful poetic narration of the or the Manifest Lila of Krishna described as it is in the Aprakat Lila. So, there's another worldly Lila and there's the worldly, if you will, Lila. And as explained in Srimad Bhagavatam, which books like Gopal Champu, of course, are all based upon, <coughs> books of the Gosamis, this is the... Uh, center so to speak of sacred text the Bhagavatam that is that they all orbit around and seek to elaborate upon explain in greater depth share with us the feeling of that that text and so you find sometimes in the narratives of the Leelas drawn from the Bhagavatam like in this instance of the Gopal Champa, the whole of the uh, Krishna lila, practically is, is described. Different details and whatnot. So this is a, this is the more than the poetic license, but the feeling of Jiva Goswami that uh, causes him to speak about it in such a way with perhaps different, uh, varying details that seek to bring out the feeling, of the uh, experience, the interaction of the inhabitants of Vrindavan. Centered as as they are around Krishna, their sentiments, their ecstasies. So, again, it all comes from Bhagavatam, and the story of Krishna's appearance in in Bhagavatam indicates to us that it's a, a very um, the Gaudiya Vaishnav theology and philosophy is a very, in many respects, earth centered. Uh, teaching. The uh, story of Krishna's birth is of course that the earth was suffering, was feeling burdened by not uh, the, the, the quantity of the population but the quality of the population and so an appeal was made by the by the earth in the form of a cow, a giver of plenty, as the earth is much a giver to us and uh, the blue planet here, um, life-giving in, uh, in so many respects. So, in the form of a cow who is a giver and lives really in many respects to give. Hmm. We've explained many times the, the, uh, the idea of the cows in Krishna Leela. Uh, from one vantage point, they, they exemplify this giving spirit where you, you know, grass grows on the side of the road and freely, readily, it's uh, uh, without, without much effort, grass grows on its own. And cows eat the grass, of course, and then they turn the grass into milk. And from you milk, know, so many things come. Miracle food of milk and all of its uh, byproducts. Hmm. So, the cow is a giver. So, Krishna is surrounded by cows, and the implication is what? That he's the, he protects those who give. Because we think if I just give, which is the teaching, it's a love teaching, and love is about giving, then who will, who will take care of me? And the answer is Gopal. Gopal, who protects, Pal, the go, the cows, or the givers. So don't hesitate to give, is the idea. Krishna will take care of you. Those who give, who takes care of them? That's Krishna. That's what Krishna-loka is about. That's what Goloka is about. It's a place of 100%, 108%, giving. So the earth is also a giver obviously to human society and she appeared in the form of a cow the story goes and and registered some complaints about the inhabitants who were taking in in a way that was becoming and causing a disturbance so the four headed lotus born Brahma was approached that medium well known for his ability to communicate with Bhagwan, the dawn of creation, because of his giving, his tapa. It is said at the dawn of creation, he heard the tapa, the two sounds. Tapa means austerity. It means knowledge also, in a sense, because if we, if we undergo austerity, we get knowledge, even if, as I said before, un, un, involuntarily we're put in a situation of austerity, then how will we deal with it? In other words, if the body is inconvenienced, hmm, then you have to start to think philosophically to get beyond it. If they put you in jail and, and uh, tie you up and so forth, how are you going to deal with that? You have to think. Right? You have to think, well, anyway, life's temporary or whatever. You have to start thinking philosophically. So the tapa the austerity, the closing down or of the, of the senses, so to speak, the restricting of them, is really freeing in another sense. It, 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 it frees us to think a little bit more deeply and go go within. If we go from physical to mental, we go from a smaller world to a bigger world, and there, you know, on to intelligence and, and soul, it becomes bigger and bigger, and to Brahman and to Vaikuntha and to... Goloka, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, even though it may appear to become smaller and smaller. And when, once you go from Brahman, which is unlimited, to you go to Vaikuntha, it seems like it's limited. It seems like it's within space and time, although it's not. But it's more affectionate, therefore it's bigger, more accommodating. And Goloka just looks like a village compared to Vaikuntha. But all of Vaikuntha and all of the... Um, Brahman and all of the Brahmalokas, all the Brahmandas, the universes, and, and all of the, the feeling that makes these makes up these places, makes them what they are. All of that and more is found in Golok. So it's big, big, spacious, big, accommodating, big by measure of affection. This is real space. Love creates space. Hmm. More than we can garner for ourselves physically however big of a house we can build and buy hmm? loving will make a more accommodating environment you can have the biggest house but if there's no love in it then it will feel con- constraining welcome. welcome so so affection this is accommodating, as I said before. If two people love one another, they can live under a rock. It might be a small place, but but because they have love, then it's big. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lived in a small room, maybe eight by eight stone room. But what what was the the love that he embodied hmm, just overflowed out of that. Space didn't restrict him, so it's affection then that uh, that we live for, that it's accommodating, and this is the idea of Golok. It's big in that way, big and spacious, and it has to look small, naturally. It has to look small. Small means means uh, that there's specificity then, right? The details of Bhagwan, intimate details. That fosters love. Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna shows this huge form, right? The universe, it's big. But the small form, two-handed form, if you will, sitting before Arjuna, is more desirable for Arjuna. And there's specificity there. It's two-handed, and in universal form he's got unlimited hands and eyes and heads and everything's inside and so this, the two-arm form is more specific and, and, and apparently smaller, but that specificity that fos- fosters or facilitates love. The more details you so, you know, the more you can love. So it's it's bigger. It, it it affords more room, more affection, more opportunity for loving exchange. So big in this way. Hmm. So. The Earth, as I'm saying, also is 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 a giver, but was feeling restricted by the nature of the, the the quality of the population at the time. She went to the foreheaded Brahma, Brahma, who is well known for being able to communicate with Bhagwan in the universe. Because, as I said, at the dawn of creation, he heard the tapa, he heard the sound, give, give, Swaha, tapa. You, know? you read it in Bhagavad, it is tapa. If you read it in in, in Brahma Samhita, it is is it is. Swaha, same idea, it's about giving. It's austerity, what austerity means, knowledge, austerity means closing down the taking capacity that we have. Our senses, but through our senses, we have a capacity to reach out and touch and see and hear mm. and smell objects, mm. right? Mm. And so austerity that closes down in a sense or restricts our capacity to, to reach out, identify with those things and and be on the take, so to speak that uh, closing down that capacity for exploitation for taking for going outside and identifying with matter it 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 expands the mind we have to think of this even if involuntarily we 're put into an austere con- condition we, we grow by that. We have to grow in order to, just to be able to live, to tolerate, we have to think. as again, philosophically, why am I here? How did I get here? Maybe I did something wrong or whatever. Hmm? Or you have to philosophize, I've been wronged, but what can I do? I'm not in control. And somehow you have to think philosophically.
0: Hmm?
1: So when, uh, when, when, our, when we're thwarted so to speak, in our attempt to exploit, then we have to go to a bigger world. Like when I was just a young boy and I, in sixth, fifth grade, or something like that, and I had a girlfriend, and then she, you know it didn't work out. So I cried, and you know my mother sat me down, and she she said, "Well, you know, some, you know it's not the only thing in life." In other words, she spoke philosophy to me. It was my first philosophy course. <laughs> and I thought all the time, oh, this is how you grow like this? Yeah, this is the world's like that. And and by thinking deeply, you actually go, you get more space. And uh, so, so there's the birth of my philosophical life. <laughs> so anyway, the Brahma he he voluntarily, of course, underwent austerity because he 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 was sincere. And uh, so the truth attracts truth. So. The sound was truthful. It's it, it's it's a sound of knowledge. What is the knowledge? Knowledge is the world works like this. This is this is knowledge. It works like this that you grow, you gain, you move progressively by giving, which is magic. I mean, it's not logical that if you give, you're going to gain. I don't think it works like that mathematically, but life works like that. So there's more to life than mathematics. There's magic to it. Hmm? It's tra- it's, it, it, life is, is, is more than what, uh, what, what, can, what we can reason about. When we're reasoning about something that seems unreasonable un, un, un on, on some level, but it's our experience. that by giving, we gain, we grow. It's a fact. The self is, contracts by taking, and it expands by giving. Your sense of self... As you give as you as you as Kennedy said, think not what uh, your nation can do for you, but what you can do for your nation, and you, you identify with nationally and you grow besides just me and my family it's there's something bigger you identify with the nation or with the planet as, as may be the case so there's a growing of the self that comes with sacrifice this is all this all this growing should be appreciated I mean we we want to criticize nationalism in comparison to say, Vaishnavism, but we have to look at it more broadly and see, it's also progress. Do you understand? Coming from a small, self-centered world, we are to grow and grow, and Goloka is the the full idea of that that growth. So we should encourage giving, we should encourage sacrifice, wherever we see it, even if it is even if it isn't centered in a way that will bring the, the greatest remuneration Nonetheless, it, it, like Prabhupada says and dita, well, as you say, knowledge is situated in, in the commentary. Acts of sacrifice. So, so Brahma performed the sacrifice. So he's known for this. Hmm? He did the tapa. He did the. He got the diksha tapa. It's a. Dik, you should understand. Diksha is a tapa. Also, it's an austerity. It means to come under discipline. Hmm? Diksha means initiation. Means to come under some discipline. Under some. Under some rule. It's a kind of a rule. It's 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 a, it's a, it's kind of the laws of, of love because we can't we can be forced into that can we? It's voluntarily. We are coaxed into that. We are charmed into that actually, into that relationship. Hmm? Hmm. And to stay inside of that, then, well, there is something that kind of like kind of like rules. Hmm. Not really, It's just what really constitutes giving. Loving, sacrificing, you're getting something. We were talking about this the other day a little bit about how did it come up, guru and and, and, and giving. Anyway, guru is a giver. That's our experience. So we feel bound to give back. Well, Brahma, he was involved in that, well known for that. So he, on account of that, he could communicate with Bhagwan. so he's approached and from the shore of the ocean of milk hmm? it means affection milk means affection that's what it comes from then he made communication with Bhagwan. earth's in trouble hmm? please come and relieve her of her burden so my point is that it's very from Bhagavat, the, the birth of Krishna the, the, the appearance of Krishna the Janna is a very earth Centered um, story, and and so the Godia theology and philosophy is very earth affirming, if you will. It's interesting because Vedanta is often thought of by uh, people of the West and Western philosophers that have dabbled with it here and there. Um, to be a very um, a nihilistic and self-denying and world-denying philosophy. You hear it all the time. Oh, that's in the Eastern, the world-world-denying. Yeah. India Vedanta, Hinduism world-denying. You got to kill your, you know, do away with the self and and the world is is a mistake. Hmm? And there's no objective world and so forth. Because these are very um, um, Superficial understandings with primarily a particular strand of Vedanta, the, 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 the well-known Advaita Vedanta, well-known but but much misunderstood as, as as well. Even the 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 lack ultimately of a, of a real and objective world in Advaita Vedanta isn't world denying if you look carefully at that. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the appearance of the world. I mean, there's. It, um, but well, anyway, but beyond that, if you go, of course, to the devotional sects of, of Vedanta, theistic Vedanta, then you find, for example, the contrast between Shankar and Ramanuja. As much as Advaita Vedanta does his world denying and says, Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya, the world is false, it doesn't exist. I mean, it does um, take this position. So it's understandable hearing something about it. One's going to get the idea that it's nihilistic because its, and, and, it's and, and the individual self is done away with So there are shades of it, but it's very, nihilist. nihilism is kind of pessimistic. It's very optimistic, ultimately, even Advaita Vedanta. But as you go, as I say, to the theistic Vedanta, if you go from from the pure subjectivity, if you will, of Advaita Vedanta, where there is no objective world, ultimately, to Ramanuja, in, uh, in Advaita, then you, you have a full recognition. of. He says, well, what is the value of consciousness without any object? It's meaningless to speak of consciousness without any object. What is the meaning of that? So he, then he begins his whole... his, his whole... Um, answer to the pure subjectivity of Ramanuja from, from, that, of Shankar from that point and argues for the world, the realness of the world. And, uh, and so then you go, you come to then, for example, Godi Vaishnavism and, and, and it's very then earth-centered and human-confirming. Um, so here they are, they're calling on Bhagwan to help the earth. It's not just a, an imaginary world; it's very real, and it's 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 seen in Gaudiya Vaishnav, Vaishnavism to very much facilitate then the the pursuit of Rasaraj Krishna's his pursuit of love. This is it's facilitating it. Love, as I've said before, is is a fallen condition. We fall in love, and it's a it's a weakness. As much as it's a strength, we feel strong in it. It's still, it's a weakness, isn't it? We've fallen for someone, they've fallen for us. We feel strong in that fallen position, in that weakness. So Bhagawan, to taste love, is best facilitated in human society. His Lila, Sri Krishna's Lila is human-like, so to, to enact it in human society is, like I've said before, to, 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 do a, to, to film the movie on location. That's an added feature. It's actually filmed on location. So the drama of the Leela performed the human-like Leela in human society without any artificial props, real humans and, and all.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the human heart, Really. This is where it's really performed in the human heart, so we'll get to that, but it's it's hardly a nihilistic world denying and self-denying, of course um, um, theology or philosophy. the self is is confirmed, and in its in its its sense of itself even in human society is confirmed that it's a loving entity, that it lives for love. This, is, this is, is confirming this. It's not, a, it's not a doctrine of Vedanta, for example, that tells us that love is a folly, come to knowledge, retire love, be peaceful, knowing. No. Shanti, shanti, shanti. No, it's not like that. It's more like, well, it's, like, it's confirming our experience in the world, that we can't be happy, we can't be still, until we find love, so we're in search of love, and when we find it, then what? Start moving again. Hmm? Love isn't about standing still. It's like a roller coaster. You can't rest until you find love, when you find it, there's no rest hmm. either. But you, but but you, but you won't get off of that ride. You Can't let go of that. Hmm. So. This is our human experience. Gaudi Vaishnavism comes to tell us something about the human experience that it's 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 not a foreign thing. It's not an artificial thing. This is this is um, um, if you just center it properly, that's all. It's so it's very confirming as to our what's intuitive to us. It's not a counterintuitive philosophy or theology. It's very much. Um, uh, speaks to what's, what our, intuitively, we sense. It just helps us to, 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 to find it, so to speak, and to find the center and such that that, that that can be realized. So it's very close to the human heart. You know, our identity, we're speaking about identity with regard to neuroscience and so forth, they look for it in the brain, but it's really in the heart. That's <laughs> just poetically speaking, of course. But it's a feeling. We feel that we exist. We feel that we that we have, we're in, we're in a, we have an identity. Not that we just have feelings, or, or just that there are sensations, but there's somebody there, and that's us. <laughs> so we feel it. So to find, if you want to find it and understand that consciousness. Inus, you have to look in the heart hmm? not in the brain
0: hmm?
1: you have to look in the heart, so what what kind of nonsense mumbo jumbo is this they might you know they would say something like that no it 's not mumbo jumbo, you have to look in the heart, how you look in the heart then hmm? how you look in the heart? It means yeah, what is the beginning of love if love is if the heart is the center of love. How does love begin? Sacrifice, right? It grows out of sacrifice. You have to stop taking in order to learn how to love. You have to learn how to stop being a taker, an exploiter to love. And so, owing to our, our predicament, we are on the take. We've identified with matter, and so we have needs. They're artificial but our ident- identification with, with, with matter, with body, and our uh, psychophysical makeup and so forth finds us in need. So we have to reach out, we have to take. Hmm? So if we are then to love, we have to learn how to stop taking. And how do you do that then? Well, you have to, you have to step back a little bit from the world. Attachment does not afford us objectivity. People talk about God being a myth. In other words, it's a fantasy. You've created a fantasy because you're not being objective, looking at things clearly. So you create a myth. But really, myth, fantasy, arises out of attachment. That's what it comes from, from attachment, from not being objective. If it comes from not being objective, that means, in our terminology, it comes from being attached, because if you're attached, you can't be objective. Do you understand? If I'm attached to you, if I love you, then even if you have faults and they want to throw you in jail, I'll think, oh, he's he's my son. (laughs) He's not that bad. (laughs) You know, and he's all over the newspaper. This guy, he's not that bad. (laughs) So this is the nature of, of love, it, it, uh, uh, of, of, of attachment, I should say. Love too, but that's another thing. Real love is based on knowledge. So, so to be objective, hmm, we have to be detached. That means to step back from the world so that we can see it for what it is, because if we're too close to it, subjectively involved and attached, we can't see it for what it is. So to take a step back, this is what we call renunciation. It looks like you're moving away from people, but you're really moving closer to them. Because you're stepping back from taking, then you're moving closer to what, what you are inherently as a giver. And then you see the world from a different light. Then you can enter back into it and, and give, this is the idea of, of bhakti. So, what, so it's not just poetry, we say. If you want to find the self... You want to, this is this is the new you know the final frontier right to understand consciousness. We're almost there. It's another you know few years, and we'll find out what brain, you know, whatever, electronic, neuronic. You turn that on, and there's and people think they exist. I think they're in a, they're an entity, something like that. We're just not too far from that. I mean, we're a long way from that. That won't happen. If you want to find the self, you have to look in the heart, not in the head. And that's not just poetry. It's real. It means this. How you look in the heart. How you will look in the heart. Hmm? Well look in your heart. What will you find there? You find so many things. You will find so many attachments. It's getting in the way in the way of you being objective. If science is is is, 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 is lauds itself as it should for being objective, then here is radical objectivism. More than Anne, what's her name? Anne Rand? Yeah. yeah. She had this objectivist philosophy. Much more than this, much more radical than this. You, you are the, you, you are, you're in the lab. You know, you're wanting to go in the lab and take something and objectively look at it. When you get in the lab now. You have to, so it's a first person, um, methodology for understanding consciousness. You look in the heart, you find with good guidance you learn to look in the heart in such a way that you can find attachments that are not becoming and they're getting in the way of your seeing things clearly. So you, you start to you start to take them out. You start to you you you, 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 you through through the through bhakti, through the culture of, of actual love, that they, they they come out. And so Vedanta, in all of its forms, and of course bhakti is a very beautiful form and, and means by which you can accomplish this. They all seek all seek to bring us to objectivity. You understand my point? So you come to this kind of objectivity, then you can see yourself what you are. That's what they're trying to do, to be objective. And they say, well, none of this, let's just no People need this philosophy, this God, and... This kind of thing, you know, let's be objective. Let's not, you know, add something we don't need to add. Right? I mean if I if I take my car to the I give this example earlier, if you take your car into the shop and say, My car's not working, can you fix it? And the guy says, Well, I don't know. Uh, God broke it. If God wants it fixed, he'd fix it. So what are you talking about, man? Why don't you you know check the battery or you know, check the well I checked the battery. <laughs> Well, check the radiator. Check everything before you tell me that. You know that's ridiculous. That's the last thing. Hmm? Check everything else first. So, right? So this is the logic of the, of the modern science. We're going about it like this, and we're checking everything else before we posit some other thing that there's God. We're and we're making progress in figuring the whole thing out.
0: Hmm?
1: E- even figuring out what we are. That's how they think about it. But it's but but. This is the last frontier, isn't it? Consciousness, understanding the self. People will say they, they're close, but their peers will say they're far away also. speak of us, what we will say. And we say, you're looking in the wrong place. You want to be objective and do away with all these myths and stories that people have to fabricate. But here's, the, here's the opportunity. We are advocating a radical approach to objectivity. Isn't that what detachment is about? Being objective. Hmm? So you have to look in the heart, take out attachments, hmm? and if then if there's no way that, you, the way that you could become more objective, fully objective, then by their own theory. You can understand things properly hmm? without any clouded vision or any fantasy. And this is what they come to. Those who have done that, they come to Krishna Leela. It's not a story only. <laughs> they come to a real understanding of consciousness, and it's not an epiphenomenon of the brain. Hmm? And it, 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 so many possibilities lie there, that don't that, that aren't um, we're not afforded in the, in the physical world. So many possibilities, like I've said, in mind. Now, in, 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 when we're off on the topic here, but. Now in neuroscience they also have this idea of mind, some people, kind of a property dualism where there's there's a, there's something called mind. It's physical, but it can't be reduced to the brain. It has different physical laws that govern it. We're not fully acquainted with them yet, but we will be. Hmm. So it's something like this in Vedanta. We have the idea of mind. It's a subtle form of matter. It works functions under different rules than the gross form of matter. And in that subtle realm of mind, there are other possibilities that don't exist in the physical realm. Like Prabhupada used to say, well, you can see gold and you can see a mountain, but you can't see a golden mountain. But in your dream, in your mind, you can. What you can do in your mind? Oh, so many things. What you can do physically, (laughs) that may be something else. So dream on. Dreaming is, is at least 50% of life. You should dream hmm. and dream well, hmm. dream high. That's the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism to dream high hmm. and, uh, and don't, don't give up your dreams. They're attainable. So, anyway, mind in, in Vedanta is more spacious, and then beyond that, intelligence is more spacious. It's a whole other thing. And then consciousness itself. So, what's possible in that realm? So many possibilities, and how we will get there—it's not just by some fantasy, fantasizing, but but by this sadhana, tapa, this open-heart surgery, something like that. It's serious, serious business. So, Brahma—he did this. This is what he was—he did this kind of thing. He was known in the universe for this, so we talk with Bhagwan, come help the earth. So it's earth-centered idea theology here. It's not about really uh, going anywhere, but changing our angle of vision. Hmm? So it's not nihilistic. It's not world-denying. It's actually world-confirming. This Gaudiya Vedanta. It doesn't end in Nirvana. It ends in Lila Nirvana is an aspect of that. Nirvana means to blow out so to, something will be extinguished, but not everything, only what is unnecessary for what's It's not helpful for bhakti. What gets it therefore, as we say in Gyan in marg, we grow by detachment in bhakti Marg, we grow by attachment, attachment by sangha, sadhu sangha Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastri Khoi, Lava Matra Sadhu Sanghe, Sarva Studi we to speak of a lot of association. We grow by that, by good company, by Sangha, we grow. And that means by becoming attached to devotees, we grow. See how friendly this is. You have to give up your friends, your family. No, that's not what we're talking about. Talking about loving in, 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 in real sense, Krishna-centered. So, so it's a very earth-friendly uh, and uh, hardly nihilistic or world-denying. And especially when we come in, in Gaudiya Vedanta to Krishna Lila, where the fullness of the Lila is is played out in human society, and means means also in the human heart. Yes, and we say Krishna comes to earth and all, that's a whole, you know, let's talk about it. Hmm? He comes to protect the earth means what? On this level we're talking about he comes to establish dharma. Hmm? He comes to, So that means he caters to the religious, right? He, he, he comes to establish those things that upon doing will foster the pursuit of inner life. As I said earlier today, our our moral Imperative is that we shall conduct ourselves in this world in such a way that it will foster inner life. That's the dynamic idea of morals. What will we do and what will we not do? Just follow some rules, and some of them from antiquity that don't even apply to the society that we're in and so forth? No. Hmm? That becomes the problem. That was the problem Nietzsche found, right? As I said earlier. He found that the laws, the morals, and uh, religious values—they were getting in the way of people being people, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all uptight and whatnot. So hmm. he criticized Vedanta for being nihilistic because he didn't understand very much of it. Hmm? People, people get their understanding from him, so a lot of people in the West. He rejected it. He's a big thinker, but he didn't—he didn't—he didn't understand Vedanta very well. That's clear from his writings. He doesn't understand it very well. Hmm. But at any rate, there's, the point is that we should have a dynamic approach to yama niyama or do's and don'ts. Hmm. What, what, will, what, will, what kind of conduct will foster inner life? Hmm. This, this outlook is then is dynamic. That can be applied in different circumstances and different times, forever. Not just some rules, forever. Things change, so. You may have to change the the, uh, the details, but this is the principle. So, uh, so, so Gaudi Vedanta, it doesn't end in Nirvana, it ends in Leela, and the Leela's played out on earth. And and he comes in, a, in, a, in one sense to perform Leela, to establish Dharma, a kind of a conduct that ultimately will foster inner life. Isn't that the whole idea of the Dharma Shastra? Isn't that the whole idea of the Purva Mimamsa? The Purva Mimamsa, Prefaces the Uttar Mimamsa. Uttar Mimamsa means Vedanta, Atato, Brahma What in, what what fosters Brahmagyagnashu, this spiritual inquiry? Well, attendance to, 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 an external, if you will, idea of spirituality, religiousness, or an ethical, ethically sound, morally sound life. The poorvamimams is all about dharma. So, when you the idea is that once you that by adopting an ethically sound life, then you you come become in a better position to inquire about inner life. You live an ethically sound human life, then you're at the upper end of of humanity. And where do you go from there? You go within. You go beyond humanity. You go to the superhuman position, the spiritual position. So on the first level, Krishna comes, performs his leela, to establish dharma, to do away with the things that are unfavorable to bhakti, that are burdening the earth. So Krishna is born then in religion, right? This is where he's found. He he, he he's born in 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 in, in 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 the religious sentiment. It also means that we can look at it like this. In, it comes for sadhana bhakti. but This is important to sadhana bhakti, just like in yoga. What's first? Samadhi? No, that's the last thing. First comes yama niyama, right? So an ethical outlook on life that makes sense in terms of the worldview of yoga. So for sadhana bhakti, what is the first part of um sharnagati? Prakti begins with sharanagati, with shraddha. Sharanagati is the outer expression of shraddha. Sharanagati means surrender. Right? So, how do you surrender well? Anukulasya sankalpa pratikulya sevartanam rakshikshatati vishpaspo gupritve varanam tata atmanikshepa karpanye satvidha. Sharanagati. So, what's the beginning? Anukul pratikul. Yama Actually, these terms, well, anukul pratikul, means accepting and rejecting. So there are things to accept that will be favorable for bhakti. Things that will be unfavorable, we reject them. This is the idea. It begins with this. So that's dharma then, right? To live the the right life, dharmic life. Krishna comes to establish dharma. So in a sense, he he comes to facilitate the sadhakas on that level. He's connected with bhakti. You find Krishna in Bhakti. And I'm talking about Bhakti on the lower end, towards the religious side of it. Right? Really bhakti begins just above religion. Sarva Dharma Puritaja. Mami come Saranam Raja. Just about, just beyond that. So he comes to establish Dharma and pick up the sadhaka. So he's found this is where he's born. This is the birth of Krishna. this is the appearance of Krishna on earth or anywhere. Where is that space? Where is that religious space that that's uh, that Shraddha space that faithful space you don 't have to, have to think we you know the history of Krishna well that 's a difficult subject to, to, to identify Krishna you know, the Christians are fond of of identifying the Savior He was born in this place this time and we can trace it out and, so on and so forth. That's important to them. It's not so important to us. We can't do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that better not be too important. Uh, we, we're celebrating the John Mossman. We're, we're not celebrating as much the time by quantity, but time by quality. In science, time is, they're concerned with time as quality, measurement. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, quantity, right. Measurement. Mm-hmm. But he, he, we're not... Talking about John Mosby in terms of measurement the time it's a certain constellation so a certain quality of time hmm, that's auspicious in human society then he'll appear in that auspicious time so 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 anyway he he's born in 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 in, 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 in religion or he's hes he's found in bhakti this is where he's found so he comes to the earth for sadhana bhakti hmm, to, have, to and there are always sadhakas in this world. Always. Always was. Always will be. And there's always a world. It, comes, it goes to sleep, but it wakes up. It goes to sleep, but it wakes up. And there's no beginning to that. It's compared to the breath of Vishnu. How many breaths does he have? He's, always, he's unborn. He's always breathing. The world is always existing. In 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 outgoing breath and ingoing breaths, it awakens, it goes to sleep, awakens, it goes. And there's no beginning to this, and you can't think too much about that.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's not good to think too much. That's another thing. You cannot know comprehensively by thinking. Hmm. That's why a lot of smart people are really stupid, <laughs> because they got a big brain and they think that by thinking they're really going to know. But they, they won't know comprehensively by thinking. That's not possible. Hmm. Descartes thought that he, he existed because he thought. We say that we, we can think because we exist. What comes first, knowing, thinking, or being? Being comes first. Then thinking. Hmm. Being precedes thinking. So being won't be known by Thinking. No. It's, it's superior to thinking. By stop uh, stopping to think, this is meditation. Stopping the mind. Then you can know. Then you can see. Then you can experience. It's like I was talking about this scientific approach to knowing, understanding oneself, consciousness. So they say, that you know, they take the Buddhist meditator and put something on his head and look at the wavelengths on the screen and analyze exactly what he's experiencing or... Or the devotee, chanting, whatever may be the case, and they say, "Well, this is what's really happening." And they get it technical, technical, scientific, chemical neurootic, you know, explanation of, of what's happening. Hmm. neurological explanation of what's happening. And and then you know, what the person, the meditator thinks is happening is attributed to what cultural influences and environmental And He's taught like this. he to think like that, and so he thinks he's you know going beyond himself, and he's becoming a god or whatever. And so they you know they analyze it like that. A little bit of that kind of uh, experimentation is going on, but but you take that scientist then and you say, well, you know what it is, so by that sense now sit down and know what it is sit here and know what it is do this do that yourself and know what it is you can study it think it's interesting okay but sit down and do it then you'll never leave it again <laughs> you would taste something that is, that is that has nothing to do you've lived for so many years you've tasted you've seen you've heard you've smelled you've touched what it is whatever is hmm? And then when you touch that self by the by the transrational method, mm-hmm. you know that there is something different. This is entirely, this is nothing like, I've done this for so long. And of course we say through so many lives for that matter. Mm-hmm. We didn't you just take this human life. A little bliss, psh, a long way. It's like, wow, this is different. I want that. <laughs> That's a different thing. That's of a different quality altogether. That's of the quality of myself. So take him, sit him down, let him experience. See what he says then. He can attribute it to this, that, and explain it this way and the other way. Let him sit down and experience it. Then tell us about it, what it is. It's desirable, he'll at least say that, whatever it is. I want that. That's you, sir, madam, that's you you're of that soil, as Siddharth Maharaj like to say. Hmm. Amrit, deathless, nectar. Hmm. So Krishna comes to facilitate this, this is this is to, to, to... and this world is going on, Bhutva Bhutva palita, over and over and over again. And like I say, well, it's hard to fit that between your head that has no beginning. Hmm. But our idea is to get is to get beyond the smallness of our head. Heart is bigger. Hmm? Heart, love, this is spacious, this is accommodating. Hmm? This is what bhakti is about. This is where Krishna's Krishna conception is born. It's born in Bhakti. So he comes to answer to this, there's always sadhakas in the world. I the world. I mean it's just it's just a story in a sense too, the world. Hmm? What it is, we have to talk about it in such a way we get some handle on it. But hmm. and like we say, Krishna comes to earth. What is earth? What are all these things? You have to think about this deeply. Hmm? So here's he, where he's found. He's found in bhakti, in giving, in giving that is properly centered. There he's found perfectly. Imperfectly, he's found in any giving, given anywhere. Imperfectly, he's found. The center is contacted to any kind of giving. And something's better than nothing. But when the giving is centered, on what? What's the center? The taker, who can take unlimitedly. I mean, you can give to different parts of your body and you can get something out of it. Right? You could take ghee and put it on your hand, on, arm like this and it seep in and you get some nutrition from it. But if you put it in your stomach, you're going to get much more out of it. So, you have to find the center to give perfectly. You have to give without expectation of getting, that's from your side. And then you have to find the perfect taker. That's what we mean by Krishna, the center, who can take everything, all you can give.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You make the challenge. Mm-hmm. As much as you give, I can reciprocate. And go to your and just see, he takes up the challenge and defeats him that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu they gave the gopis beyond his capacity to to, to reciprocate that's why he came to earth first time and second time as Krishna and as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so he's found in this kind of bhakti. He answers, he comes to, for the sadhakas. So on sadhana bhakti, in sadhana bhakti he's found. And what is the time?
0: Oh. Okay.
1: And, and he comes for, for like, in a, in a more profound sense, for the bhava-bhaktas. They are a kind of sadhakas. They're not perfect. They have some some ray of prame that we call bhava, and their practice is to cultivate that, to churn that. We will churn bhava when we have bhava.
0: <laughs>
1: Before we have that, what will we cultivate? What will we churn? Charnagati. surrender, faith, surrender. That's to erect a stage then in heart, where the drama of bhakti will will be performed. The drama of bhakti is 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 this emotional ecstasy, bhava, movement. So you have to have a solid foundation for that to be performed on. That is Sharanagati. Hmm? Erect the stage in your heart, then you can say coming to a theater near you, soon. Hmm? Right here, in your heart.
0: Hmm?
1: <laughs> Krishna will, will come. So he comes for bhava-bhaktas. Yeah. He comes to establish religion in general, hmm? and the way he does it, of course, that will be in promotion of bhakti and, and tell us the do's and the don'ts and so forth and as so well beyond that who well have bhava then he comes to facilitate them so to, 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 to that they can that, that bhava they've churned to a certain point they can, that they can develop praying. so they are bhava-bhaktas we can say he comes for the bhava-bhaktas paritranaya sadhunam this is why he comes Vinashaya chaduskritam. We talked about that. Vinashaya to do to get do away with the unfavorable things, the burden of the earth. And preyasadunam. This is the more now we're getting more primary reason. He's more involved with the Bhava Bhakta than the Sadhana Bhakta. He's not uninvolved. With the sadaka but it's a little more indirect. sadaka still has so many desires, so worldliness, right under the rule, in a sense, of the paramatma. When we come to, when sharanagati is in place, and ruchi developed, then, then what? Nadhanam, nadhanam, nasundurim, kobitam bah jagadish. Goodbye, jagadish. Hmm. He pays a pranam to the paramatma, overseeing the world of desire. He has no desire. He develops an attachment. tanuja. This is his Isha Now, Pranishwar. ishwar, not the ishwar, but the ishwar of my, the Lord of my life, my heart. So, in a real, more specific way, in a tangible way, Krishna is coming to the earth. The birth of Krishna is for the Baba Bhaktas. He's born in their heart. Mahaprabhu was saying it in Shikshastaka. Nanda is, Tanuja is, is being born. The son of Nanda is being born in his heart. He's saying, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. Like a girl will go and live in Vedic culture with her, with her husband's family. I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. In fact, I'll be a maidservant in that house. of one who's married to him. it can be taken like that. So this very specific, so this is in a more specific sense, in a more um, um, accurate sense. Krishna is coming to the world not for the sadhakas or the religious, but for the bhava-bhaktas. He is, but but more so for bhava-bhakti. To, to then give them what they need, uh, some f- first-hand experience in the leela and sangha of nityasiddhas, of all the parikars of Krishna, mm. that they can, they can develop this, uh, that uh, the, uh, the and its extensions and so forth. So he's coming for them. And on another level he's coming also, all within bhakti, sadhana bhakti, He's coming for that. He appears in Baba Bhakti and Praying Bhakti. So, How does he come for Praying Bhakti? All the Premikas are there in his Leela. Hmm? Why should he come to earth for them? Well, 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 well They're there. How, how is he's, he's, well, of course, he comes with them. He comes for them. Because what? Especially his birth Leela. His birth leela is is in one sense what? It is for his mother. He does it for his mother. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was controlled by his mother. So Krishna is controlled by his mother too. Hmm? What is the problem with the nitya leela? Nisodamai is the mother of Krishna, but he never takes birth. Now what kind of motherhood is that? How many mothers here? Raise your hand. So, it's what it's what experience that is to have a child, huh? You know, how you feel? Oh my God! So it's like ecstatic. It's like whole well, life, you know, altering. There he is. He was in me. Now he's here. Part of me. Hmm? So to be a mother, but never have your son take birth. Huh? Krishna feels sorry for Yashoda, so that the human, likely in human society, then they come and this birthly, the janma of Krishna, it's fully played out. Mother Yashoda gets to give birth to Krishna. Therefore, we say he's he's nandutanuja, he's yashodanandana. Not devaki nandana. He wasn't born in a prison. You know of any kids that are born with four arms, all fully dressed? Like this, you know, uh, <laughs> giving benedictions and so forth. That's not a birth, that's something else. Hmm? <laughs> Yashoda means Yashoda, who gives fame. So she gave the fame. Devaki is famous as the mother of Krishna. Devaki Nandan Krishna. Even mentioned in the, in the Rig Veda. So he's famous as the son of Devaki. He's not famous as the son of Yashoda. She let her have the fame. She'll take the the actual motherhood. She's the actual mother. Hmm? And Dilucca herself admitted this when they met at Kurukshetra. And she saw Yashoda. Oh, Yashoda, I haven't seen you for such a long time. And Yashoda looks right through her, right past her, like a zombie. Just like, can't see anything but, but her son. She has to just step back with Kunti, and let her be the mother that she is. Mm-hmm. And Krishna puts him on her, him on her lap, and De- Deba, Deba, he just stands back and says, you're her mother, not me. I may be known all over the world as a mother, but you're really the mother. Mm-hmm. This ultimately the, the logic, of course, that my affection very affection. Of course, the Goswamis give technical details in their analysis of the Bhagavatam. And how she's yeah, he's actually born there. But anyway, this is the point. Krishna's a mama's boy, so he loves his mother. So to facilitate her full experience of Matsarya Bhava, motherly affection. This whole thing takes place. So therefore, what we offer our pranam tonight to the <laughs> this is—they've made this whole thing uh, possible. Hmm? they they're, lila goes in a circle like that. They have the son. Hmm? He grows up. He goes away to Matura. They feel so separate from him. They can hardly uh, live out their lives. They're thinking, when could we have? A, when could he come back? How could we have such a great son and lose him? And. and then they start to become mad. They think, Do we have a son? Do we even have a son? We thought we had a son. Do we have a son? Let's have a son. When do we have a son? Let's, and then Leela starts all over again, like this <laughs> Krishna's birth, and this is going on over and over again. Hmm? And where is it going on? Where is it going on? You want to find out the exact place and see. Like they're looking for the son. Yeah, the, the, looking for the bones of Jesus or something. You know. Did he really resurrect or is he, is he in Kashmir or something? I mean, at least kind of, don't look like that for Krishna. You look in the heart. So you have to look to find him. Develop bhakti. This is where this belief is going on. Don't worry that you can't trace out the historicity of, of Krishna's birth. It's not important. He's found in bhakti. So this is, this is the janma. Janmasthami, Janma, Janma. He's born on the eighth day of the week. There are only seven, so. Eighth, eighth day of the week. Any question? Nitai also, any question? You there? What we're going to do next, this evening, is, and you can start that, bring the paraffin. We're going to have an Abhishek for the little uh, Giriraj stone here. It was so dear to Mahaprabhu and Ravnatasca Swami. I'm going to do it... Um, right here and we will do a sitting down and you can all sit around in a in a half or three quarter circle um, so let's set that up now move back and form a nice circle and uh, we'll bring the deity and then uh, during the Abhisheva I'm going to read some more poetry from Gopal Champu about the birth of Krishna and just to uh, inform you, those of you who have just come about the rest of the schedule, after the Abhishek, then we're going to have a movie. And I'll tell you a little bit about the movie just before it starts. And then um, there'll be uh, bhajans, led by Dev and, and I'll say a little something about the bhajan after we do it, and then another one and so forth. And we'll build in the kirtan that way until the arctic at midnight. Then there'll be a break fast. Some light um Ikadzi Prashad and then of course tomorrow morning we 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 start all over again for the uh Vyasapuja of Sri Prabhupada. Shri Krishna Jan Mastami Mahamot Subhati Ki Jai. Gau Bhakti Brinda Kijai. Gov Premanande.